Learned helplessness is the giving up reaction, the quitting response that follows from the belief that whatever you do doesn't matter. That comes to us from Martin E. P. Seligman, or in other places, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm Raleigh. And I'm Danielle. <laughs> you can keep going. <laughs> and this is Unstuck, the special ed podcast. I'm trying up a new flavor of music today. <laughs> wow, you know, we're going to leave all that raw cut in there. Yeah, you guys can you can see it. Uh, our unediting skills that we don't, we still can't figure out how to edit. So I here will, we are. I will say this. After we had my brothers on the last episode, the feedback they gave to some people was, they do this and, and there's no, they don't really edit anything. They just kind of talk and then it's done. Like, yeah, that's how it is. So I feel like Keeps you, it real. you appreciate the comedy of the possibility of Arnold Schwarzenegger saying yeah, that I, I quote. Mean, I think it's weird that that quote's written exactly the same in in two places, and one is to Martin Seligman, and one is to Arnold Schwarzenegger. So and think about it this way: they both could be wrong, right? But I I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I feel like Martin Seligman said it first. Uh, I would guess yes. I would think so. That's just a that's just a guess. So today, our um, I think we're 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 doing a thing now. But today's shout out. Oh, okay. Is for Kelly Campbell. She has been our highest social media user slash communicator. So Kelly, thank you so much thank coming you, from Kelly. Minnesota. Tell your friends. Oh yes, Minnesota coming to us from Minnesota. Minnesota. I appreciate. There's a lot of. Uh, I th- I think Midwest. I think the Midwest is still Minnesota. Oh no. Sorry, Kelly. If if it's not, but we ha- we have a lot of viewer are listenership. Like the, aren't for- they the upper upper Midwest? Upper Midwest, sure. Maybe upper Midwest because they're closer to where it's cold. I was gonna say. I mean, it is cold. Is it snowing like feet there yet? It could be. It snowed in Vermont a couple weeks ago. All right, we didn't do our research on that, but okay, you sorry, know, Kelly, we're not great geographers, but yeah. we're better at podcasting. I'm just saying we have a, a good listenership up that yes, way. Yes, absolutely. Both in Illinois and it. Minnesota. So thank you, Kelly. Mm-hmm. The other big piece of news today. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a big news. I agree. I feel like you had a, a decent reaction to it, but I not did. as big. When I did, not realize. as big as I thought. As excited I was. I'm sorry. So uh, this is our 20th episode. And we are 400 downloads away from 10,000, wow. which I think given our grassroots efforts yeah. here, that's pretty cool. I mean, if you go back to our first episode where we didn't even have two working microphones. Well, my microphone was backward for the first like three episodes yeah. and now definitely, I'm just uh, double checking. Yeah, we're good. Definitely novices, but that's okay. We've come, we've come farther. We're, we're like novice plus two. I don't know. We've leveled up. What's the next thing past novice? Uh, yellow, Amateur? Yellow belt? I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'm also going to apologize for the squeaking chair I'm sitting in right now. But whatever. We're in we're in rare form today. Yeah. So But we go back to the quote and we are going to be talking about learned helplessness today because um I personally see it I we've seen it for years with our students, but I and actually I'm seeing it with adults as well. Um quite the frustration for someone a little more seasoned as I am, um working with um a younger generation and plus children as well. Um is some of that learned helplessness and certainly not to uh besmirch my wonderful colleagues i just it's something that we i think we talk about is this idea that i'm just either i i know you're gonna do it for me if i just passively resist long enough or i just pretend like i didn't know that that mess needed to be cleaned up or i really don't have any sense of being skilled at this so if i just 
remain here long enough not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, you'll eventually just jump in and do it for me. Well, I think we finally have like a label for it, mm-hmm. learned helplessness, mm-hmm. um, because we have seen it for years. I remember when I first got my first office, well, technically it was my second office, mm-hmm. but there was a copier outside of it. Mm-hmm. And I just remember someone, I hear, I kept hearing the beeping and the beeping and finally someone came in and I said, She's like, can you help with the copier? I said, sure. So I walked out, and this is the copier generation where, like, you could see exactly what was going wrong mm-hmm. on the screen. And Wait, so it's I it's blinking in the region. The, no, not even, not oh, even that. It oh, wasn't oh, even oh. that. It just needed paper. Oh, and it oh. says no paper right uh, on the cover. And right, I was like, right. well, you just need to put the paper in. Yeah, you just have to it. investigate that. Like, you just have to slightly longer yeah. than you did. And then another example is more pop culture, and mm-hmm. I know I know you don't probably don't watch this show. Okay. I'm gonna imagine that you don't. Okay. Southern Charm. I mean, sorry, Southern Charm, but it's Winter House. This is Winter House on Bravo. Definitely not. Um, correct. Yeah, it's a great show. Mm-hmm. It combines a couple of different Bravo series together mm-hmm. in a Winter House in Stowe, Vermont. Oh, okay. So on the episode this week that I happened to watch yesterday before this, not mm-hmm. a, not connected at all. Yeah, you but I feel like people will appreciate this. Yeah. No, I wasn't saying Craig. Mm-hmm. refused to clean up his mess he broke a glass mm-hmm. and he was like no i have money now i'll hire cleaners to do it for me wait i'm sorry pause he wanted to hire cleaners to come in and clean up a glass that correct in the moment and he was refusing glass. to clean yes glass. yes okay. no this is the next morning someone had already stepped on the glass oh good he had thrown the night before refused to clean it up and now this isn't exactly learned helplessness but mm-hmm. i feel like in some ways it's this like feeling that other people just being a jerk well, it was being a jerk. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I have to say, it was, he basically said, I'm not doing it and forced other people in the house to clean it mm-hmm. up for him because obviously someone had to clean the glass up. Right. And I feel like that's a form of learned helplessness. I agree. Well, it's just... It's just not as direct as we typically see it. Right. And I think it's this mentality that someone is always going to do for you if you don't do for yourself. And um, we talk about, you know, we, we talk a lot about executive functioning and correct me if I'm wrong you told me this was not Sarah Ward so I don't I don't but I don't know I don't know where this comes from exactly so maybe we can figure out the the I do you do we do I I mean sorry excuse me the I do we do you do model I think yeah I think it's just a a, it's just a thing general idea but I can look into it though all right where you have the I do is the person instructing is doing most of the work to teach a new concept or a skill and then the we do, where you're both doing that together, so you're helping the person understand how to do it. And then the you do is you, as the person that has learned the skill, is now doing it independently. And it's such, to me, this one of the most simple kind of common sense approaches, but we don't do that enough. I think, and especially when, at least in my, I, I can actually relate to the wallpaper. I don't want to throw my mom out mm-hmm. there again, but hanging wallpaper, and she says to me, it's now for you to learn how to do this because I'm not going to always be able to do it. And yet she still did the whole thing. That was kind of learned helplessness on my part, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I, I was, I should have taken better notes. I should have <laughs> probably learned more about that. But I think especially kids with that demonstrate bigger behaviors and bigger reactions when pushed out of their comfort zone, you see that learned helplessness coming in more and more. So adults are kind of like, let's just get through this moment. I'm just going to do this. I'm going to make it easier for you. I'm going to do it for you. And this is certainly not to say there isn't merit and benefit to breaking something down in the moment, taking some of the stress away, making the idea of what they have to do simpler, less math problems, less writing. That's not what I'm saying. But I think when you do for them because you don't want them to yell, to rip the paper, 
to flip a desk, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you're basically enabling that behavior as a reaction. Like, oh, because you might do X, I'm gonna do this for you. Or you have the kids that aren't necessarily behaviorally acting out, but they're just sitting there. They're just absorbing the space. They don't mm-hmm. wanna do it. It makes them anxious. They don't like it. It's non-preferred. So I'm just gonna kind of sit here and see if the teacher notices that I'm not really doing what I need to do. Oh, and those three kids are gonna get more of the teacher's attention because they're doing the behavior. So I'm just gonna sit back and do the minimum. Yeah, well, I also see it a ton. So to your point of behaviors and things like that, I think it's two, what I'm gonna say is twofold. One is the behavior piece, kids acting out. And two is kids with specific disabilities that people make assumptions about and the, mm. and the need for parasupport. I don't mm. know how much oh, I hear yes. they need a one-to-one, they need to one-to-one, one-to-one. And I have been working a lot with people to do a lot of education around, um, that is the most restrictive way to help teach a student and it creates so much learned helplessness. So, you know, you have an assumption of a student who has, um, who's cognitively impaired and has autism. So you make this assumption that they're going to need a one-to-one. Well, Mm -hmm. guess what? They start learning skills, but then they rely on the adult. And by high school, they probably don't need that support anymore, but because they're so used to it, they now start acting out because they're losing that that one-to-one support that they've had for so long and given the the current state of the world with trying to hire anyone a body anyone to to work with kids you can imagine the situation that many schools i'm imagining are falling into oh absolutely and i i've come across this so often in my career where you know a child comes to us from another setting we're obviously more Mm -hmm. restrictive and everybody's kind of oh my goodness like this child needs this much support and and, and I can think of just very specific cases where over time, and I've said this in IEP meetings, like this student, the more that we kind of push them out of their comfort zone, challenge them in ways that continue to show that they can achieve something. So we've raised the bar a little, they can meet us there. Great, now that builds the success. What does that success do? It lessens anxiety. Now they are wanting to show independence. I can't tell you the feeling I mean, you know this, but the feeling of, of working with a student who turns to me at one point and says, oh, no, I can do this myself. You don't need to do this for me. That is such an empowering moment for both myself and the student to say that does work. That idea that you feeling more competent about your skills and feeling that you can you can always reflect. How often do we do this in life in general where we approach something and we use our previous knowledge of that experience or something similar to say, well, I've done this in the past. I know I can do this now. I've already done this type of activity and here's how I solve that problem. We have sort of created a, a scenario for a lot of people, both adults and kids, where the problem solving skills are just non-existent. Like how do you get a solution to this problem? We appreciate you telling us about the problem. We appreciate that you don't like this situation. We appreciate you don't love science or math, but how do you solve the problem of not liking history? Yet? history class I don't yeah. I don't like social history. Mm-hmm. but well and, and then you know I, wor- I I loop in the TikTok generation where it's like I, I don't like this so I just change it change it change it change it change it so sitting we've talked about this in previous episodes sitting with that anxiety that discomfort that I you know I don't love this but I'm gonna sit here and understand how to manage that moment rather than someone swooping in and taking away that discomfort from you so you never have to be in a in a position of challenging yourself to get through something. Well, and it's a, it's a fine dance that you're mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. and a balance and I think is that like you know, a t- is a tango a fine dance? Um, uh, yeah. Well, I'm, probably not. It's probably not a tango because that's only two people. What's a dance where you have like a macarena? 
Um, I'm not I feel like isn't very like precise. Oh, I've like a fine tuned. It's not like like an electric slide. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's too simple. I'm just thinking of something a lot of people have to coordinate to do together because it's not just two people. Right. It sometimes can be. Sorry, I totally pulled you off track. Yeah. Now I'm like the fine dance. The fine. Oh yeah. So it's between knowing it's a lot of trial and error and I know that that's hard I think for a lot mm. of people to hear to like try things out that and it may so not true. work but so true. I think with with learned helplessness it's it's such it's such a fine line between giving kids what they need and sometimes it is that one-to-one support sometimes mm. it is a, an adult sitting next to them and then figuring out when you can start pulling back on that and I also think it's important to note your approach with younger kids versus older kids and developmental mm-hmm. level and because with our older kids for the most part you can actually have that honest conversation with them and yes. say look yep. you know I here's what I'm seeing why don't we make this I mean I have a student right now who's so excited because he's losing para support throughout the school year and he's like my goal is by February I'm not gonna have any paras in any mm-hmm. of my classrooms for me because he's we've well, not me, I haven't, but the teacher has worked with him a ton on like, you're independent and using independent in his name. So like independent Joe and just like, which is my favorite thing to do. I've been known to do that. I do it quite a bit. I've been known to do that. Um, And so that's sort of the messaging and it's been over a year of working with this student to say you're independent, Mm -hmm. you can do this, you don't need this support, let's figure out when you need it. But that's a high school kid, right? Right. And it's a high school kid. I've actually done that with little kids. Yeah. And like, it's just, it's almost like you're just assuming you're assuming the answer you want. Like, I'm assuming you're going to be independent, so I'm labeling you. Mm-hmm. I've done this with kindergartners. Yeah. You know, independent Jimmy, like, you're independent J- Oh, independent Jimmy can cut that out himself. There's no... You don't need anybody. Like, you... But it's, again, you put the work and effort into building these kids up. Something else you said that really resonates is the idea of trial and error. I think that it's still such a mountain to climb to teach people or to have people understand that you may not have something solved just because someone like someone suggests an idea and it's like oh that's not gonna work oh that can't work oh we tried it for five minutes it didn't work there no one has the perfect answer but people can have ideas and we have to try things out and be willing to get pushback especially with kids that do have a behavioral presentation or kids that are prone to having some kind of reaction that's not you know that that's gonna cause people to worry perhaps is they're going to push back because their experience is I do X and people leave me alone. Mm-hmm. They don't, they change their expectation. They don't make me do it because my reaction is such that people don't want to deal with that reaction. You have to push through that. And and a lot of the kids that we see that are struggling, we talk about this prior, don't have very good self-esteem. You can almost mm-hmm. assume low self-esteem and anxiety across mm-hmm. the board. And if you're helping address that self-esteem, and miraculously that anxiety can also go down and kids start to feel like oh i'm good at this like i've got this i actually can handle this and even if they can't they hate history class they hate social studies great find a way to get through social studies because life is not just your smorgasbord of like i do want this i don't want that mm-hmm. sometimes you have to deal with something you don't like that's the teaching piece you may never be great at social studies you may never get great grades in that class it may always be something you don't like but it's just an expectation that you're part of that group, you're coexisting in that space, and you're absorbing the room instead of causing you know, yourself discomfort, other people discomfort. You're learning how to manage that, and whatever strategies we can employ for that is helpful. Well, one strategy I've been daring to share with people for kids that either hate classes or have difficulty in class is modifying the time in class and 
you know, I think we've talked about this before, but you know, people are so scared that they're, that kids are going to miss content. Well, if they hate something or they're they're refusing to do something, they're missing it anyway. So meeting them where they're at and, and working through that with them of like, you know what, today we're going to, you know, even if it's modifying time or modifying work, you know, like there are 15 math problems today. I just want you to complete 10 and then you're done. Mm. You get a five minute break and then we'll do the group activity, whatever the plan, whatever the plan is. Whatever the group plan is. Because then you're showing the student that you understand that things are difficult for them, but you're also asking them to work through some of those challenges. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that's different, I would say over the course of the past few years, and I think we talk about this with growth mindset, well, it is a growth mindset theory thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were always taught, you know, well, at least as an elder, um, taught <laughs> that it wasn't okay to be wrong. You know, you got answers right or wrong. You got yeah. A or B, B, so right. Now, I'm not saying that that should be non-existent, but you're like not two really... Two plus two is four, no matter how you slice right. it. Right. You can't say... You can't right. decide two plus two is actually six now. But, you know, working with kids and, and adults, like owning... Well, owning that you're wrong when you're wrong, so mm-hmm. that kids get some yeah. modeling about that. And I also teach lessons to that kids can't get things right so that you're teaching them to persevere and work through times that they're wrong instead of giving up and letting them know it's okay. It's just gro- like, you know, when you're wrong, it's an opportunity for bigger growth. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, you make millions of mistakes. That's why you are who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think for a long time, education was right or wrong, this or that. And there yeah. was no extra learning around how to persevere through things when you are wrong. Well, there was a lot of like, think about the red pen on your paper, mm-hmm. like the classic, you know, like I'm going to destroy this paper with red pen of all the things. And you would get little moments. I'm not saying teachers never gave you positive feedback, but I think that the understanding was here's what needs to be corrected, 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 corrected. Yeah. That was a good point you made. Correct, correct, correct. And that does feed this mindset of like, you're right that, well, I'm just no good at this rather than finding a way to, you know, and I'm certainly not saying don't give a kid the feedback that they did something that wasn't correct or like teaching, you know, it's fine. Like I said, two plus two, six. Yeah, it's fine. If you believe that we don't care. Like you, you put the number on the paper, but there is a way to encourage something to, you know, encouraging someone how to change or how to, how to be flexible in their approach in order to be successful with it. Finding or finding something that they do. I mean, we, you know, you get the kids that push back and say, well, none of this means anything to my life. Like, I don't care about going to college. I don't need to know math. I don't need to, I mean, that's a classic. Like, who cares about science? I don't I don't need to be in, into science. I'm not gonna be a scientist. They don't wanna know about photosynthesis? I mean, apparently not, you know? And fine, you don't wanna know about that. But there's going to be times where you need to know this and then giving them those real world connections of like, this is why you need to know it and why you need to know it on your own without someone always walking you through everything and taking over what you need to do and doing it for you or cleaning up your messes and making sure that you never have to have that feeling of, wow, I need to try again and try again with more of a flexible mindset. One of my favorite things I'm seeing more and more teachers do, which I, you know, it's generally for kids who have IEPs or, you know, it's sometimes in their IEP plan, um, but is allowing kids to take a test again. Mm. Um, and so they get, they get their test back with the answers that are right and wrong. And they have an opportunity to go back and, and figure that out and take that test again. And I feel like your goal as a teacher isn't to, to grade kids and make them feel happy or sad. Your goal is to help them understand content. And if it means, and so I think when you ground yourself in that, like, is there a mastery or an understanding of the content versus, 
this is an A student versus a C mm-hmm. student. And I think that is a hard hump to get over, especially where, you know, at least in Massachusetts, the standards for curriculum are so high that you're always thinking about how to get that, how to pass the MCAS, how to pass the state state standard. And in my mind, if you, you're a teacher, right? You're teaching, you're, you want, you're, the whole reason why you got into it is to help kids learn and grow. And so, not for the money, definitely not for the money. Um, And so bringing, bringing yourself back and grounding yourself in, why am I doing this? And it's, you know, if you're a specialized teacher that teaches science or math, your job is to, help kids understand the content. Well, so how, how do you do that? How many times have, I mean, I've had this happen many times where I've, I memorized the information just to pass the test, but I wasn't internalizing the, the content. So in that moment, I memorized it. I could regurgitate it. I could get a decent grade, but you asked me a week later about that. I might not even remember. It's so much, you're right. It's so much more important to know that the content was retained in some way. And there's gotta be many more creative ways to do that versus like, here's a test. Did you know it? Did you not? Okay, pass, fail. Maybe there's other ways that you get creative about generating the content or, or retaining that content and what's important. You know, there are things we've learned. Of course, we probably forget so much. I know there's something, I'm sure there's some stat about how much we forget that we've learned, but how much do you need for life, for the, the future, for the building block? You know, building on concept, this concept, helps me formulate skills for the next concept. I build, I build, I build versus like, I just need to know that to be like a human in the world. And there is a way to do that. And I think we, you know, sometimes we talk about the crazy idea of like, how could you reinvent school to make it something that looks very different than what we see school as now? I'm sure there are a lot of people who would, you know, have a big reaction to that change, Mm -hmm. but do you need school looking the way it looks now? And are there different ways? And I know there are different programs and different things certain kids can do but you know we talk about ADHD autism we talk about all these different things it's like what about even gifted kids too like I'm just thinking like yeah like kids who are I mean sometimes you hear whether true or not sometimes you hear from parents like well my kid's so intelligent that this is boring for them Mm -hmm. okay well what would it look like for this child to show us in a different way what they know but also to be learning along the way well and if I could go back and know now what I knew then as a teacher I didn't there wasn't a lot of like research around having your sort of end lesson or what you want kids to get out of a lesson on the board or wherever somewhere that, you know, it was sort of like, there was no real backwards design at that point. Mm-hmm. But if I knew that now, I would absolutely have a, some sort of tiered system where I'm like, ideally I'd like them to have these five mm-hmm. concepts from this unit. Yep. But I you know, that. in in the real world, they're probably only gonna get four and our kids who maybe struggle through this, I want them, these are the three that they mm-hmm. every student has to get, but it'd be great if they got four or even five. Right. And it really grounding, again, I keep saying grounding, but like putting yourself back in that position where you're like, let's figure out fundamentally what these kids need. and then then building away from there um and i think having that conversation directly with students about it i agree i i th- there's just there have to be other ways to to do this and it, you know and the learned helplessness piece i think going back to that is you know it's definitely something that is system systemic i don't know mm-hmm. you know it's it's not just the student it's not just a parent it's not just the teacher it we're all sort of culpable in that and i think you know we want kids to experience success and so we're willing to sacrifice a lot of things for that success and i think you know i i mean i'm not that old but i feel like i'm a dinosaur half i'm like is it how has the world changed to where like you know this is something that i experienced as a student 
or an athlete or whatever, you know, like it was okay to just have the kids who made the team's name up and who cares if you didn't make the team, nobody was going to hold your hand through it and process that you had big feelings about it. Not that you shouldn't, but where do we draw the line of like, this is, yes, it's a child and they're still growing and they're fragile in some ways, but why are we trying to like wrap them in bubble wrap and then like seal them in, I don't know, like foam and make sure that they don't have these these issues these like they have you have to learn how to get through these things you have to learn the tools and the skill you have to get the tools and learn the skills to work through stuff and if we're never giving those tools because we're snow plowing our way through everyone gets a trophy generation and and i mean yeah that's a whole podcast on itself Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean it's sometimes you have to feel like there's more I can do to be successful as a person. Like, when are, why are we just accepting the, the basic level of something? And I, I just see it all around where it's like, people just are very focused on their own situation and they're not necessarily thinking like, hey, how do I help this person become something? You know, it's like, just get through the moment. We're getting through the moment. And meanwhile, like, what what's sacrificed because we're just getting through the moment? I'm not saying everybody's not, the people don't have kids' messages at heart, but I think it's just hard right now to feel like, we're really working at building these kids to be citizens in the world that can have a job, that can go to school if they want to, that can just navigate the world themselves. Well, yeah, and I think some of the learned helpless goes into adulthood. And I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm using this loosely and I don't want it to come off as offensive because as someone who has been a classroom teacher, I can understand how overwhelming things can get where you're trying to move through your lessons and also have to do some of that social emotional stuff that, you know, especially after COVID or is really out there Mm -hmm. um, exponentially more than I think it was before COVID. I I think it always existed, but it was like bubbling under the surface. And now it's just like, boom, exploded because everyone's back in school and people can't handle it. Um, but I think one area of learned helplessness as an adult is really the, when, when teachers are like, well, I don't have a pair, so I can't do this. I don't have someone to help me, so I can't do this. Whereas in, when I taught, like one thing I loved to do was that challenge and that opportunity of like, I don't have this support, but I still got it. And let me find a creative way to help support these students, despite the fact that I don't have all the adults that I probably need in this room. Mm -hmm. And that, that automatic assumption that things are going to go to crap because you don't have the adults that you need in the room is Mm -hmm. a form of learned helplessness everyone so really shifting your mindset or shifting as a teacher shifting my mindset of how can I turn this into a positive what kind of opportunity is this well this is a great opportunity to teach kids about independence Mm -hmm. about yes you know you don't have your one-to-one sitting next to you but this this is a great day for us to do something creative for you to learn about yourself and for you to figure out how you're going to get through these lessons today without your person sitting next to you. I love that. The expectations don't have to change because, you know, it's how do we rise to meet that challenge? And again, we get it. We're in it every day. And there are moments where you, where you do need that. And it is like panic mode. But I think this is some, it's this constant assumption that like something's going to go wrong. It's back to your point of, um, oh, that won't work. Right. Mm -hmm. It's this, it's this assumption like, oh, I don't have everyone I need. So nothing's going to work today versus Mm -hmm. how do you flip the script on yourself to make it work? Um, and I and I've seen that a ton over the past few years. Well, and the more you do that, the more kids do respond to that. I mean, they're still looking at us as the the people guiding through the school day. Like they want to know that we've got this. The second they think we don't got it, that's not great for them. Oh. And I mean, again, I am working with kids with pretty significant emotional behavioral presentations who will smell out any sort of anxiety, weakness. fear, weakness, <laughs> like you know, yeah. nobody's business, and they that is incredibly detrimental. 
like I say so often to people, like, I mean, it's so played out, fake it till you make it, but like the second they see that you don't got this, quote unquote, you're done. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to present that, that this front, even if you don't feel like it, I'm not saying every day has to be that way and you can't be vulnerable because sometimes they learn from that. Hey, I had a bad day. I had a bad moment. Or I've said, I've said to kids, I'm really frustrated right now yes. because I had this really fun lesson planned and now, you know, this is what's happening in the classroom. It's okay to have those conversations to with, be to be real about it because then it shows them that you're appropriately having a reaction and you're also handling it using strategies. And I think it's important for kids to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, we're like, I was saying, we're in it every day. Like mm-hmm. don't think that we don't see this all the time and we're in it and we see the staffing shortages. We see the burnout. We see people taking on way more than they ever intended to take on and not making more money for it and not getting any more recognition for it and not getting any more, you know, way to go coworker for it. We get it. But there is a way to, again, we have to find it within ourselves. Otherwise, what are we doing? I mean, we mm-hmm. may as well not be doing these jobs. If you can't find it within yourself to get through the moment and show kids how they can be successful and to sit with your own discomfort and to kind of, you know, take it as a challenge to say, like, how do we get through this moment? How do we get through this day? Wow, 14 people called out today, but the kids are still coming. So we've got to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this, this idea that we can just sail through it and it's going to be, you know, whatever, who cares? No, that's not going to work. And that can be once in a while that we have those days, but that can't be the the norm. Mm-hmm. And anyway. And that's it. Okay. That's all she wrote. It's really a, okay, it's a great segue. That was, that, was a great, a, that was such a great ending. It was wow. nice, and, nice and smooth. Wow, did you, how long did you plan that one out for, guys? <laughs> um, okay. I do have a good would you rather here. Okay. And I think if you know anything about me, you'll know which one I'll pick, but... Well, I don't know you that well, so... Yeah, well... Okay, would you rather know the history of every object you touched or be able to talk to animals? I don't know why those two things are compared together. That seems like... But okay, would you rather know the history of every object you touched or be able to talk to animals? I can tell you unequivocally, I do not ever need to know the history of every object I touched. I was going to say that. And in fact, as someone who, and this is like a legitimate phobia, has a has a big reaction around antiques and well, don't take me to an antique store and expect me to be okay with it. I don't need to know everyone that touched everything because I will lose my mind. So I'd prefer to talk to animals. I mean, I think it'd be fun to talk to animals anyway. This is why I feel like this would you rather is easier for me to answer than others, but I feel like, well, whatever. I, 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 I would also choose animals. Look, I just pulled it off the internet. Usually we're, usually we're on opposite ends of the spectrum, but but this one is pretty simple. Yeah. I can't pass judgment that every, some people might want the history of every, I can think of some people that I know that would probably want to know the history of everything they ever touched. Would it be your brother? It could be, but it could be, there's, I'm sure there are people who are like, no, I'm really into this. Like shout out Ralph Monroe. I feel like he, I think he would, he would like to know probably the history of everything, but I don't know. I don't know. Some people are history buffs. Some people like to know the lineage of something. So I could see that. Yeah. I'm all, I'll pass. People. Okay. I don't have as extreme a phobia as you, but I, re- I don't like old things. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't want to sit down in a chair and have someone say, do you know who died in that chair? <laughs> I don't, I don't need to know that. Yeah. 
All set. I don't need to know All that. set. We'll yep. pass. Do you know who, like, had a baby in that chair? Yeah. Good. I'm all Do set. you know who, how many people have slept in that hotel room? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. I know. You just have to put that out of mind when you're in places like that. Yeah, I don't need... Yes. That is... You know what? If nothing else, no one needs to know the history of the hotel room you're in. Well, if you Never. know the history of everything no, you touch... So you know what? I don't know yep. how anyone can go that route. Yep. It's, it's extreme, but... How, oh. I can, you could go anywhere. I know. The you toilet, really the so, bathroom. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think they should have given us a less palatable yeah. option B, but hey. Fair enough. Look, I just pulled this off the internet. I don't know. Anyway. Well, thanks everyone for listening to our 20th episode. Woo! And hopefully next time we are on, we have over 10,000 downloads. I'm that's assuming. Exciting. I would make an assumption that we will. Um, follow us on our social media pages at Unstuck Podcast One. And we are hoping to get more content out there. So uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and um, Twitter. So follow us on any of those. Let us know what you want to hear. So we're not, you know, we're giving the content that the people want. Yeah. (laughs) I know. We would love that. Give us, even if you think like we're terrible and you want to tell us that respectfully or, hey, this is what you guys could do better. We would love that. That makes us stronger. So give us whatever feedback Whatever ideas you've got, we will welcome them. We will welcome them with open arms. So thanks, everyone. Until next time. Until next time. Have a good one. That's right. Swinging 40s.